your help in Dixie Jackson. I, I hear that as a church, you're already uh, almost close to $700, maybe, maybe more. You may have given some today, and that's not included, so uh, thank you for that. I get the privilege of seeing uh, some of those. Uh, of course, I'm retired now. I, I did get the privilege of seeing that over 500 children every year, sometimes 600, sometimes more, uh, are saved from abortion through Arkansas, uh, these pregnancy care centers. Uh, and so you need to be grateful. That's just one little part of what your Dixie Jackson money does. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I hope if you hadn't had a chance to give, uh, you won't eat a McDonald's hamburger this week and you'll give that to Dixie Jackson or whatever the Lord places on your heart uh, to do in that way. Uh, in a special way. Thank you for being involved with your children. 134 kids in Iwana uh, last Wednesday night is what I heard. Yeah. 33 people in youth. Uh, I hope you took my words a couple of weeks ago when I said you needed to be involved somehow, praying for, giving them a cookie, giving them red Kool-Aid so they can spill it on the carpet, something, you know, uh, like that. But to help these young people uh, to come to know about Jesus and to come to know Jesus. Thank you for letting me be gone last week. Uh, I got to baptize my youngest granddaughter at First Baptist Rogers. Yes, I did cry. So for those of you that didn't want to do that, it took me a minute to <clears throat> swallow a little bit and uh, get the right words out. But as my two-year-old grandson who was watching it on a computer at his house in Brooklyn with his dad... He said, Harper Ann, take a bath. And so, uh, you know, in the light of kids, you never know what uh, they're thinking or doing, but it was such a wonderful time for me and other people in the family, and uh, more of that to come. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you have your Bible and open it with me to Luke chapter 23. We're going to read in just a couple of minutes from verses 39, a very familiar passage of scripture that I think uh, most of you, if not all of you, will have known at some time, and it's a, it's a neat passage, and we'll get to that in just a minute. You know, history is really a marvelous teacher as we think back of what lessons we can learn uh, from history. Back in history, uh, back in the 1800s, there was uh, a man with two brothers. A man's name was Edwin Thomas. He was an actor uh, he did all kinds of plays and uh, different things. As a 15-year-old, he starred in Richard III in New York City. And then a little bit later, he performed Hamlet uh, for over 100 consecutive nights. Uh, this Edwin Thomas did. He had two brothers I mentioned, John and Junius. And they acted with him many times. They uh, acted uh, and did the play Julius Caesar, where his brother John took the role of Brutus the assassin that uh, would ultimately kill uh, Julius Caesar. And then two years after this play, uh, John slipped into a theater in Washington, D.C. and fired a shot that we remember for all of history as John fired the shot that killed Abraham Lincoln. His brother Edwin was devastated he didn't know John was going to do this. He never thought John would do such a thing. If you haven't gotten it yet, Edwin Thomas Booth, John Wilkes Booth. And you're with me 
uh, Edwin was so devastated and so embarrassed by what his brother had done, and, and I'm sure was under watch himself, that he quit acting. Matter of fact, he almost went into seclusion. He didn't want anybody to know who he was, whose brother he was, you know. And he was at a railroad station trying to be inconspicuous, and there was a young man there that was very well-dressed and, and very proper and nice. Anyway, this young man slipped over the railing with the train that was going by and was almost killed. But Edwin reached over quickly, hooked his legs into the railings, reached down, caught the young man and pulled him to safety and set him back down on the platform. The young man recognized Edwin because he had seen him in the theater before. But Edwin did not want to be recognized. He didn't want any notoriety. And he quickly moved away from the railway station. About two or three weeks later, Edwin received a letter. It was written by the chief secretary of state of our country, a man by the name of Ulysses S. Grant, thanking Edwin Thomas Booth, for saving the life of Robert Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's son. It's amazing, isn't it, how one brother would shoot the president, and then in a short time later, his brother would save the president's son. It reminds us of Cain and Abel. Reminds us of Abraham and Lot. Reminds us of David and Saul, both prominent kings of Israel. David chose God and Saul chose to try to be powerful. Reminds us of Peter and Judas, both of them disciples of Jesus Christ. Both of them walked for years alongside Jesus in their learning and in their struggles of, of how who Jesus was and what what they would do personally with Jesus. And, and Peter and Judas both denied Jesus. But then Peter found mercy and stood up for Jesus, and Judas went and committed suicide. In every age of history, we could read about individuals like this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Now, I'm, I'm going to bring you back to Luke, but I'm just going to tell you about Matthew this is what it says. It says, You enter the narrow gate, wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few can find it. I want to talk to us today about eternal choices and about your life and my life as a thief. Yes, I called you a thief. You and I are both thieves. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture about two thieves that hung with a man who was not a thief. And I'm going to ask you a question that several years ago really hit me and, and hit me hard because sometimes God just lays something out there like a rainbow or a sunset or something to get our attention and it just is, it's just special. It's a moment that we'll never forget. But, but in my mind, as simple as I am, I asked myself the question, why 
when Jesus was crucified was there only three crosses. Because if you're a history buff, you go through history. Many times when the Romans crucified people, there would be a hundred crosses or 70 crosses or 10 crosses or 12. It, it wasn't just a, a time for one person. But when Jesus was crucified, we know without a shadow of a doubt there was only three crosses. If you will, if you have your copy of God's Word, would you stand together with me and let's read that account. Luke chapter 23. I'm going to start reading in verse 39. Now, if you skip up to verse 32, you will see there were also two others, criminals, led with him, Jesus, to be put to death. And then in verse 39, one of the criminals who was hanging with Jesus, blasphemed Jesus, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and save us. But the other one answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deed. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Let's bow together and pray. Father, would you bless the reading of your word? Would you help our simple minds to see the profound impact that this account has for us? Would you help us to see us as you see us? And then, Lord, would you help us to see us as you would like for us to be through the grace and mercy of your Son, Jesus Christ. You love the world so much that you gave us your only begotten Son, that whoever, whenever, would accept Him by faith and admit that we are all sinners, saved by the grace of Jesus, that, Lord, you will change our life and lead us into eternity. So, Father, you be our teacher today. We ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you're, you're wondering, why is there three crosses? I wondered, why was there three crosses? I think it's very significant that we look at the cross and that we remember <clears throat> that sometimes in history or sometimes in our diagrams, there's only one cross. There's just that one cross, and that's significant. And we need to remember, before you think of anything else, the central cross is the most important cross. Without the central cross, the other crosses mean absolutely nothing. It was the man that hung on that central cross that we must never, ever forget. Because Jesus made the decision to hang on that cross, what happened on those other two crosses became highly important. And it's very important for you and for your decision-making and my decision-making in our life. Without Jesus on the cross, ultimately we got nothing. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish because Jesus hung on that central cross. Nothing ever should take the place or take away 
from the importance of that central cross. But I want us to think about those other two crosses today because you and I deserve to hang on those two crosses. We're all thieves. I've already called you a thief. We're all thieves. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And here are these two men on these two crosses, on them hung, not the hope of the world like the central cross, but two very common thieves convicted by the very same system, condemned to the same death, surrounded by the same crowd, equally close to the same Savior, Jesus. They were seeing and hearing everything that went on in that most important historical moment. Matthew 27, 44 says, In the same way, the robbers who were crucified were heaping insults on Him. Matthew 15, 25 says the same thing. Both of those thieves, all of us, were heaping insults on Jesus. Your sin impacts Jesus because He gave His life to pay for your sin and mine. Nobody else can forgive you. Nobody else can take you to heaven. Nobody else can bring peace and joy and comfort and satisfaction in your life. We need to pray under our breath almost daily, if not almost all the time. Thank you, Jesus, for saving a thief, a sinner like me. I didn't deserve it, but Lord, you did it for me. Now, you and I have no right to hang on the center cross. We have nothing that we can do to get us into heaven. The Bible's very clear about that. We have no righteousness of our own, but we all deserve to hang on those other two crosses because we all have a choice. Now, let's don't misunderstand. Jesus had a choice. Bible's very clear that while he was hanging there, even before he got there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. But if this cup could pass away, Lord, if there was any other way, let's do it the other way. But there was no other way men can come to, to know the Father, get to heaven, except through Jesus Christ. None. And so Jesus made a choice, even though he could have called all those legions of angels and said, man, God, we messed up. We created man and he sinned and we need to just wipe them all out and start over. That's what you and I would have done, wouldn't it? Ladies, when you're baking a cake and you put flour where it should be sugar or cornmeal, you just throw it out. Sometimes even the dogs won't eat it. But God didn't throw us away because God didn't make you junk. I don't care what culture anybody else tells you, you are special, loved by Almighty God. And He gave His only Son for you and for me. And that ought to drive us to tears. But Jesus made a choice to hang on that cross. He could have said, hey, uh, Gabriel and and you other angels, y'all come get me and let's start this over. He did not. What did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He made the choice to stay on the cross. 
Now, one of the thieves came to his senses. He had been cursing Jesus. He had been throwing insults at him, as Matthew and Mark record to us. But here, as we see Luke's version of this, he came to his senses and he, answering the first thief, rebuked him, saying, Hey, buddy, do you not even fear God, seeing that you and I are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, we deserve this. For we're receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, capital M, has done nothing wrong. Hanging close to Jesus, hearing the seven sayings of Jesus, understanding who Jesus was at that point in his life, he made the most important decision of his life. He called him Lord. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom today. Remember me. Now what about the third thief? He had a choice. His buddy makes a decision. His buddy calls Jesus Lord. But he never does anything, does he? He stays right there in his sins. And his hurtful and his damaging And as much as I don't like it, a holy and loving God gives you that same choice. God could force us. He could make us to be robots to go to heaven. He could force you, but He doesn't want that. He wants you to accept Him out of your own free will. He wants you to say, Yes, Lord. I want to know Jesus. Yes, Lord, I want to be your child. Yes, Lord, I want to hug you like you hug me. I want to have a relationship with you. Yes, Lord, I want that. But the third thief did not do that. People today are dying every day and going away from a holy and righteous God to a place called hell. And I don't like that. But there's not anything I can do about it. I can't make that decision for you. You have to make that decision. Everybody does. And it grieves my heart when I realize that someone has on purpose said no to Jesus. And I I wonder why Jesus didn't look at at that guy and say, Hey, hey, uh, do you not realize what's going on here? Do you not see this central cross? Do you not realize I'm giving my life for you? I'm, I'm offering you forgiveness for all of your sins. Do you, hey, wake up over there. Jesus doesn't do that, does He? He doesn't do that to you either. He doesn't force you to walk down an aisle or pray a prayer or make a commitment of your life. He offers it to you. He He pleads with you. He begs you. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. We sing that song all the time. He's saying, you need to come to know me. Here's the right path, but here's the wrong path. And so many people are going down that wrong path, that wide path. Culture will take you down that wrong path. Culture will tell you that the Bible isn't relevant. Culture will tell you there's no God. Culture will tell you to live your life like you want to. 
But Jesus chose the cross. You and I choose our eternity. There's several stories in the scriptures about Jesus talking about a shepherd that left the 99 sheep and went after the one lost one. Sometimes I feel like I'm that one lost one. He tells a story about a housewife who swept her house clean looking for a lost coin. He tells a story about a prodigal son that on purpose intentionally left his home, left his father, took all that he had and went into a foreign country and squandered his living. And then he came to his senses and realized he needed to go back to his father. And he went back to his father and his father accepted him and loved him, pleaded for him, was excited for him. There was an older brother that didn't understand it all. But he made that decision to accept Jesus. And I don't understand all of the things about God, but I do understand one thing. There's three crosses. You and I deserve to be on either one of them making a decision to the man on the center cross who says, I love you. I gave my life for you. Now, none of us were able to choose our parents. Some of us wanted to. You couldn't. You aren't able to choose uh, your gender, even though culture will tell you differently today. Amen? God made a good choice when He made you you. You weren't able to choose your hair color. You ladies sometimes try to change that, but it's still what it is underneath all that. Some of us men are the same way. And if we'd stop and think about it, wouldn't you agree that God gave us a good deal in choosing what He gave us, even though maybe your parents are not the coolest, the wealthiest as somebody else's, but God gave you them. I used to tell my kids when they would grow up and look at me and say, Daddy, I, I wish you was like so-and-so. And I said, well, I, I understand. They... They have, maybe have more money or they may not make you do this or they may not make you come home at a certain time at night or different things, but uh, I'm doing the best I can. And one of these days, when you have children of your own, maybe it'll mean more to you and you'll understand. And now then that my children are also having these awesome, above-average grandkids, they're coming back and saying, Yeah, we get it, Daddy. We get why you have these rules. Think about the thief who repented. Never was baptized. Never joined the church. Never, have, never had to tithe or needed to tithe or had the opportunity to tithe. I said that the wrong way. It's an opportunity to give back to God. He did try to witness to his fellow thief. A good example for us. He did try to say, hey, I have found the way you need to make the decision. I don't know what else happened there. When I get to heaven, I want to talk to that thief that's in heaven and say, what was it like to just instantly be forgiven and then instantly almost be in heaven? You see, that's God's plan for all of us. Not that 
when you walk down an aisle, he's going to instantly beam you up into heaven because right now a lot of us wouldn't be here if that was the case. God still has a purpose for us, doesn't he? We're still the thief that was saved on the cross that's trying to tell the other thieves, hey, you need to know Jesus. That's our purpose here on earth. And see, that's the, the consequence of us making that decision that, that we make the right choice. We may have made some bad choices in life. You may be sitting here and saying, you, you don't realize I've, I've had the wrong friends. I've had the wrong vocation. I, I may have even had the wrong career. I may even have the wrong spouse. And I'm trying to get it all straight. But we can only look back and say, because of God's grace, I can start right here and the consequences of my choices will start changing a little bit as Jesus leads me through life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me because it ends up with our character, who we are. What does a lost world see when they see you? A lot of us remember the thief on the cross. We talk about him because he made that good decision and today he is in paradise. A lot of us don't think much of the other thief because he passed away and he went into an eternity of damnation and agony and pain and he was right there with Jesus. Right there. I mean, right there. But he never said yes. Two brothers, born by the same parents, growing up in the same house, having the same career. One of them chose life. The other one chose death. Two men looking at the same man on the cross. One of them chose to mock him. The other one chose to accept him to pray to Him, to start following Him, to do the best He could. You see, that's us. That's us. Even after we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, old Satan still comes to us and he says, Well, <laughs> I may have lost you. You may be going your way to heaven, but I can, I can keep you from serving the Lord. I, I can still tempt you to do these other things. And how many of us have not fallen, maybe just for a short time, away from that Jesus, watched that TV program, done something wrong, still a thief in nature, but being changed day by day. And I don't know about you, but daily, moment by moment, I need to look at Jesus and the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, help my character to be different. Help me to be different. Help me to know you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to make that decision, not just once, but Lord, every day. Help me to stand up for you no matter where I am, whether I'm at home or at work or on a ball field or wherever I am. Help me to be the kind of person that I should be. Help me to tell other people that are lost, hey, buddy, I love you. You need to wake up. 
Our world is sweeping you away. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man's going to come to the Father but by Him. I don't care who the president is. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care any of those things. Jesus is the only way you and I will have peace and comfort and joy. Is if we walk with Him and let every day be a little sweeter than the day before. Three crosses. I'm so grateful for the center one. I, I worship that man on the center cross. He could have come down, but he said, Nope. Bob Harper, I love you. And I'm going to keep loving you even when you mess up. And I'm going to keep disciplining you. Ooh. You mean God disciplines us? Oh, yeah. He loves us. He disciplines us. He calls us back because we're his family, his sheep. And he says, one of these days, ultimately, I'm going to take you home. And you'll be with me forever. We're still going to have difficulties. Still going to have to pay taxes. Still going to rain sometimes on our parade. That's life. But the good news is we're still going to see Jesus as he is there. Yesterday I was in eastern Arkansas. I was doing a wedding for a young lady that 30 some odd years before had come forward in our church by her mother and dad. Her mother and dad brought her as an infant baby and we did a parent baby dedication. Now that didn't save her. We didn't sprinkle water on her. We didn't do anything that some other people might say is important. We just said, we are going to do our best to pray for, to uplift this young lady so that one day in her life she would accept Jesus Christ. One day in her life she would find the man that God had created for her and she would get married and it would be a great celebration and family and friends would all come. And that's what happened yesterday. And she walked down an aisle at her house, walked down the sidewalk at her house, people all around and I asked her dad, who gives this woman in marriage? And he answered, like most of us dad, her mother and I, he did very well. But I thought, really? Yes, God gave you a gift years ago in the form of this little baby. And you raised it in the church the best you could. But now then, she's making her own decisions. She chose to accept Jesus. She's choosing to accept this man as her lawfully wedded husband. And she's going to choose to live forever and ever with him. And we cried. I cried. Precious moment. I cried when Harper Ann went under the water and I brought her up. Didn't get to say everything a preacher is supposed to say. I didn't say it right. But my heart was right. I cried on Wednesday night when my 10-year-old grandson called and said, Paul, Daddy, I just asked Jesus into my life. And so there's another Sunday somewhere down the road that Gigi and I are going to be gone, okay? And I prayed for that 2-year-old that said, Paul, Daddy, you put her under the water. Her friend took a bath. It's too early for him to make a decision, but I want him to know Jesus, and I want him to know that his father and his grandfather loves him and that I have the privilege of telling him about Jesus. And one of these days, 
Some ill-fortunate young lady's going to marry them kids. And I'm going to pray for them that there's a loving church that says we make a choice every day to live for Jesus. We're all sinners, but we've been saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand that, you're on a bad pathway. But we want to help you understand that. So we're going to, we're going to pray for you. We're going to lift you up. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and we're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to ask Brother James to come and sing. And I'm going to kind of get over here to the side a little bit because I don't have a clue how long I've preached. Sorry. But I'm, I'm going to move over here. And if you want to ask about Jesus being your Lord and Savior, or you want to be a member of this church, or God's calling you into full-time Christian service, or whatever, you come over here and, and some of us will talk to you. If you don't want to talk to me, there's other people here. I'm sure you just grab them and come over here and, and we'll celebrate together. I'm going to invite you. You don't have to do this. For some of us, it may be a little difficult if you have trouble getting up and down, but I'm going to invite you as a church just to come forward to the pews or uh, up here to the steps or wherever and pray for your pastor, Brother John and Miss Sandy, and just pray for your church and pray for God's leadership. And I just want to tell you thank you for the way you're treating them and the way you're loving them and caring for them. But we want to lift them up in prayer. We, we need a miracle. We need God to touch their lives. And so, if you would like to do that, uh, I invite you to come forward. Now, you may have small children. It may be difficult. Uh, it's okay. What, whatever is needed for you. Then, in just a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes, I'll give us an opportunity to pray. Uh, I'll dismiss us in prayer. So, you know what's fixing to happen, right? Number one, if you don't know Jesus, I would love to tell you about him right over here. So, you come. You just have questions. You come. If you... If you're not going to come up here, I'll be back here at that back door and I'll stay with you as long as you'll stay. Just say, hey, I got some questions. Be glad to visit with you. If you want to be a part of this family, it's a great church. Great church. Awesome church. You're an awesome people. But I've got a feeling that God is talking to us about the choices we make, the consequences of those choices, and then the character that we reveal to community that's all around us, to the state, to our world. So bow together with me, pray. Brother James and the group's going to come. Father, this is your time. Thank you so much, Lord, for the willingness of these people to listen. I pray that my words have been your words to us, not just to uh, me, but, Lord, to us, that we're all sinners, but we're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And we want to say thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We want to be more like you. So whatever your Holy Spirit is saying to us today, we pray that we would respond to you. And, Lord, we pray for our pastor, and we pray for his wife, and we pray for his health. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your guidance in their lives. So, Lord, this is your time. We humbly give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.